you ever gone, hey, I know that's in Scripture somewhere. Like, I think it might be in John, and then you have to flip through and find it. But then the more that you are in your word flipping through the pages or however it is marked, the better you're going to recognize and find and know what the Bible says. So I would encourage you, bring your Bibles with you. Uh, when we come to worship, so that you can open it, so that you can read it. I know sometimes I don't give you a chance to get to what you're going to read, but it's important for us to have our Bibles, to become familiar with them, and to use those. Uh, one thing about last week, or I guess a couple things, we had our, our 90th anniversary as a church. We celebrated 90 years of existence here at Cross Plains, and we had a good time. Um, ben Merrill came in, and he spoke on Sunday morning and Sunday evening. If you missed any of those or if you heard them and you want to hear them again because they were just so good, we have a way for you to do that. Now, our specific sermon on Sunday morning did not get recorded, but there has been preached very similar, the same sermon a couple weeks ahead of time, and that is recorded. So I found that. It's on our church Facebook page. We, sh- we shared that earlier in the week if you want to find it. Ben talked to, asked us the question, he challenged us. He says, have you lost the wonder? Have you lost the wonder in your faith? He did that through Matthew 18, I believe it was. So that's available if you want to check our church Facebook page, you can find that. Or you could just put into what I like to call my research assistant, Google, Ben Merrill, and have you lost the wonder? And the video will come up of the same message that Ben preached to us, more or less. And then also our Sunday night service, Ben talked on Psalm 23 about... This is how David's heart, King David, revealed, is revealed to us through that very famous psalm. Um, but if you'd like to hear that again or for the first time, that one is in the media player on our website online, crossplainschristian.com, and you can listen to that recording from Ben's teaching with us from this past weekend. Now for what we are talking about today in our big study called Believe, we're talking about Patience. Now, if I had enough sense in my head, I would have taken my second Sunday off this week and made Jeff preach this sermon again, right? I did that a couple weeks ago. I saw, um, what's coming up on the calendar? Well, I can talk about love. I can talk about joy. I can talk about peace. Who's self-control? I'm going to go out of town, and I'm going to let Jeff talk about that, and so he did, and maybe I, I should have done that this week too. You know, we like to joke, and we say, well, don't ever ask for patience, because Why? Because the only way that we're going to get that is God's going to give us or put things in our life where we have to be patient in order to gain that patience. Now, when we say don't ask for patience, we're joking most of the time, but I think sometimes we're kind of serious. Because we don't want to have to go through what may be required of us to gain that attribute that Jesus commands us that we're to have. What I find, and I think this holds to be true as we spend time in our Bibles, is that as we grow in our faith, as our spiritual bodies mature, they do that a lot like our physical bodies do. Now, it's not just over time because it doesn't work that way. But our spiritual bodies grow as we work those spiritual muscles. As we're putting in the work because God created us to work, following after him, following after his guiding. So if we want these attributes in our life that God tells us that we're to have, that he wants earmarks, this is what Christians should look like. Here's how I should behave as a follower of Jesus. I can't be afraid to put in the work because I know that God's going to be there with me. So we're talking about patience today. And patience is closely tied with so many of the other attributes that we talk about. You know, what should my life look like? Christians, we are called to be patient. We're not called to do that on our own, by our own merit, but we're called to do that 
like the same way that we're called to do anything else that God commands of us and he teaches us. We're to do that through his power at work in us through the spirit. We do that where we come together as the church and we're encouraged and we're taught and we're filled up with God's word so that we know what it says so that I can turn around with my life and I can go out and do what God has commanded for me to do. One of the good measuring tapes for us to use in our life as for your spiritual development to try to figure out where you might be or where you want to get to is I want to make sure that my behavior, my obedience is going to match what God is teaching me. I don't want the knowledge in my head to far surpass the obedience that I'm living out in my life. Because what we believe about God and the church and who we are as people and what God's called us to do in this life is so important. It's not just trivia. It's not just head knowledge, but it impacts the way that we live. It impacts our priorities. It impacts every part of our life, which is why it's so important for us to make sure we are crystal clear when it comes to what Jesus has told us to do. He's told us to make disciples. He says, go into all the world and make disciples. And we've defined what a disciple is. It's been a couple weeks, right? A disciple is someone who loves God and others, bears fruit, and equips others for service. Not a perfect definition, but a really good one, working from Scripture. So a disciple, if Jesus said we are to go and to make disciples, we are to be disciples. The first part of our definition, of really God's definition, is we are to love God and others. comes from Mark chapter 12, verses 30 and 31. Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he responded with this, love God with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself. Love. Love is an earmark, an attribute, something that hopefully when people ask about Cross Plains Christian Church, whether they know us well or they don't know us at all, or maybe they just heard about what we do and what we're about, Hopefully one of the descriptors that come up to them is, man, they love people. And they love God. Because that's what we are called to do. If we're not loving God and loving other people, we've missed the mark altogether. And the Apostle Paul, when he talks about love in 1 Corinthians that we read at, um, at weddings a lot, he says love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast. That first descriptor of what love is, biblical love in 1 Corinthians 13, it says love is patient. I am the least patient person during the week on Sunday mornings, okay? We got to go. We got to get out of the house. We need to get ready, okay? Getting shoes on a small child is more difficult than it should be, I think. I go downstairs and put your shoes on and your shoes on on, and then I get more upset than I should. That happened this morning. I'll go downstairs and put your shoes on. It's time for us to go. I go downstairs. Her shoes are right here. She's in the corner playing with toys. Come put your shoes on right now. We have to leave. We got to go to church and talk about. You're right, but kids do need to listen. There are consequences, and as parents or whoever, as we influence kids, they have to learn. If you do not listen, there are consequences to that, absolutely. But I find too often I, I don't have as much patience as I should, or that God would want for me to have. Love is patient. Love is patient. 1 John chapter 4 makes it clear about what love is, that we show God's love by loving each other. So by offering patience to other people, we're, that's one way that we can show love to them, that we can show God's love to them because God is so patient with me. God is so patient with us. God is patient with his children. And so if I want to be like Jesus, and I want to show this love to others, that love is patient. 
if I don't have patience in my life, I'm missing something. I'm missing something that's really important. In fact, as Paul's describing love, he says love is patient. Love is kind. And if I don't see that in me as, as Joel, as a Christian, man, I'm missing something. I'm missing something that's important. I'm missing something that's at the very heart of what we're called to do, to, to love God and to love others so that I can be a disciple and follow after Jesus and do what he has asked for us to do. So our, our key idea as we talk about this week, it says that I'm slow to anger and I endure patiently under the unavoidable pressures of life. It says that I am slow to anger and I endure patiently under the unavoidable pressures of life. I'm going to read several different scriptures. The first one will come out of the book of James, a small book towards the end of the Bible. Um, James chapter 1. I'm going to start in verse 19. James 1, 19 and 20, we learn this. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. I read it again. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Sometimes it's easy to take a verse out of the Bible and to read it and to try to wiggle our way out of it. It's like, well, that's not what it really says. I'm going to read a verse that's going to impact my life or make me change the way that I live, or that's going to cramp my what style or whatever you want to say. And we read it, and we go, well, that's not really what it meant. Man, I don't see any way of weaseling out of this one. Okay, we like to weasel out of things. We shouldn't, but we do. I do sometimes. I don't see any way to weasel out of this one. It says, be quick to listen here, slow to speak and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Does not, period, end of sentence. One of the ways that um, patience is described as this word, and it was talked about in the adult Sunday school lesson, is this combination of being slow to anger. Slow to anger. If we want to be patient, we are to be slow to anger. Because the anger of people does not produce the righteousness of God. You might say, well, Joel, Jesus got angry and he turned over the tables. He absolutely did. Anger is not always wrong. Anger in, its, in and of itself is not a sin, but it's how we respond in that anger when it can become that. So God can respond in his anger and he is justified and he is right because he is God and I am not. When I respond in anger, maybe it's appropriate, but I have to be really careful to make sure that when I do that, whatever the situation is, that is my response does it fit the situation? Does it fit what's going on? Is that what I'm most angry about, or am I blowing up about something else? Patience is being slow to anger and not just jumping right to it because we are called to be like Jesus and to represent Jesus. And if we want the righteousness of God, what James tells us is that anger of man doesn't produce that. What we want in our lives is we want to produce the things that God has told us that would be good for us, 
that he would expect of us. We talk about that being the fruit. God causes that through the Holy Spirit to work in us for us to grow. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience. All of these things together, this is the evidence that I'm to have in my life as a Christian that you, that we as the church are to have in our lives, that we're following after Jesus, that we're doing our best to understand his word and to obey his commands, that my life is filled with love and joy and peace and patience, that I become slow to anger. If you're following along your scriptures, turn to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3, I'm going to start in verse 1. 2 Peter 3, starting in verse 1. But before, just stay there, okay? Stay right there. That's where we're going to read that whole chapter. But before that, I've got four verses I'm going to read, and I'm going to go through those quickly. Um, just listen. Psalm 86, 15 says this. Psalm 86, verse 15 says, But you, O Lord, are merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. But you, O Lord, are God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Psalm 86, 15. I'm going to read three verses out of Proverbs. Proverbs 14, 29 says, Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. That's Proverbs 24. Proverbs 14, 29. Next verse out of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 18. It says, A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. One other, there's a lot more. But Proverbs 19.11, good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Think about it this way. I, I came across an article written by a, a medical doctor, Barton's, um, is his first name. I can't say his last name. I practiced it earlier, but now I can't say it, so hopefully he doesn't find out. But he... He, it was his opinion that he said impatience is killing us. He said impatience is killing us. He says emails, cell phones, laptops, we bring work everywhere that we go. We go on vacation. We have stuff that's hanging over our heads. There's things that we have to do, and it's always, 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 always demanded of us that there's so much going on, and we become so impatient that we send somebody a message, and we see that they can read it, but they didn't send it back. So then we try to figure out, were they upset? Did I say something wrong? Are they mad? Do I need to send something again? We become so impatient. I become so impatient. Now, sometimes in life when it's quiet, I get restless and I get fidgety and I feel like I've got to say something or I've got to do something or I've got, I become so impatient. Uh, but Dr. Barton goes on to say, he said, we bring work home, we bring it on vaca- vacations. Technology has increased our availability so that we feel like we're always connected and we can't get away that there's always something that's required of us. And he says it can lead to some serious health problems. He says heart attacks, palpitations, depression, anxiety, immune disorders, digestive ills, insomnia, and migraines used to be the domain of the 40 to 50-year-old generation, decade. Now these symptoms are showing up in 20 and 30-year-olds. 
He said even worse symptoms like hypertension, migraines, digestive problems that we're never seeing in children are showing up in kids as young as 10, if not younger than that. He says, bottom line, impatience may turn you into a patient. The, but the doctor had a remedy. He says the chronically impatient person can stand in the longest line in the grocery store to slow down. Do you hear that? I know, it's an awful idea. He said the chronically impatient person can stand in the longest line at the grocery store to force themselves to slow down. He said he believes people can learn to eat, walk, and drive, and even talk more slowly. His best suggestion is to examine your belief system. Figure out what you believe and figure out what's most important to you. And for us, what could be more important than that? Examining our belief system, examining what God has set before us as his expectation and for what he wants you to do. All right, 2 Peter 3, starting in verse 1. This is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandments of the Lord and Savior through the apostles. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. Verse 4. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the world that existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. Verse 8. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for the hastening of the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn? But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens, and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Verse 14. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting on these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation. Just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him. As he does in all of his letters when he speaks of these matters, there are some things in them that they are hard to understand which the ignorant and the unstable twist to their own destruction as they do other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you do not get carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity forever. Amen. Verse 9 says, but the Lord is not slow 
to fulfill his promises, as some count slowness. But he is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. If anybody ever asks you, well, how can you believe in a God that allows all of these terrible things to happen in the world? Why doesn't God just come back and put an end to it? Well, the answer to that question is he will. Another appropriate answer to that question is I don't fully understand why. But a great answer to that question is verse 9 here in 2 Peter chapter 3. He said, God is not so slow in fulfilling his promise as some would count slowness, but he is patient towards me. He's patient towards you. He is patient towards the world so that some more may be able to come and to have salvation through Jesus. That's the only explanation I can come up with. Why? Why? He's coming. He's coming back. But it's God's love for others that he doesn't want anyone to perish, that he wants everyone to reach repentance, that they can be included as a part of his kingdom, that he allows this world to go on. That's the best answer that I have. And God is patient with us. And we, in turn, want to emulate or reflect God to others, to be a light on a hill so that people can see us in this world. And if we want to reflect God and we want to reflect his love, I've got to reflect patience in my life. I've got to be patient with others. I've got to be loving with others as God is loving towards me. Patience, what it allows us to do is it allows us to see what God has given us. Patience allows us time to then give to others, and patience slows us down the space between where we are and where God wants us to be. Like many of the things in life, the things that are really worth it take work and are hard and can become a struggle and be a struggle and are a struggle, but it is worth it. And it's something that God is calling for us to do, to be compassionate towards others by showing them love and by showing them patience, by doing that to those that we love and to those that we're just going to meet. And to remember that God is looking to use you and to use us as the church to reach people who are going to perish without Jesus. And they need to explain to them. And they need an opportunity, just as you had, for someone to tell them just how much God loves them and just what Jesus did and explain it in a way that's going to make sense. And to be patient, maybe if they don't respond right away or if they have a lot of questions or they're not responsive at all. but to teach others as God will teach us. We are to have patience. It's one of those things that we have to work at, and it doesn't just develop overnight in a snap. I suppose God could do it that way because he's God and he can do whatever he wants. He doesn't owe me any answers. He doesn't. And he could. He could say, all right, Joel, you prayed for patience. There you go. But what I find, that's not the way that he works most of the time. Because I, I learn as I make mistakes. I learn as I fall and as I stumble. And it forces me to have to rely on God more and myself less. And those lessons that we learn in life best are the ones that maybe leave scars with us. And we're not going to forget too quickly anyway. Patience. Listen to an example, and I'll close with this, of what a New York City taxi driver wrote. He tells this story. He says, I arrived at an address, and I honked the horn. After waiting a few minutes, I honked again. Since this was my last ride of the shift, I thought about just driving away. But instead, I put the car in park. I walked up to the door, and I knocked, and I heard just a minute in a very frail, quiet voice. He said, I could hear something dragging across the floor. After a long pause, the door opened, and a small woman in her 90s stood before me. She was wearing a print dress and, and a pillbox hat with a veil pinned on it like somebody out of a 1940s movie. 
By her side was a small nylon suitcase. The apartment looked as if no one had lived in it in years. All the furniture was covered in sheets. There were no clocks on the walls, no knickknacks, no utensils, nothing out on the counters. In the corner, there was a cardboard box filled with photos and glassware. She said to the taxi driver, he said, would you carry me out to the car or carry my bag out to the car, she said. He said, I took the suitcase to the cab, then returned to assist her to the car. She took my arm and we walked slowly to the curb. She kept thanking me for my kindness. It's nothing, I told her. I just try to treat my tra- passengers the way I would treat my mother. Oh, you're such a good boy, she said. And when we got in the cab, she gave me the address and then asked, could you drive through downtown? I said, it's not the shortest way. She said, oh, I don't mind. I'm in no hurry. I'm on my way to hospice. I looked in the rearview mirror, and her eyes were glistening. I don't have any family left, she continued in a soft voice. Her doctors say, I don't have very long. I reached over very quietly, and I shut off the meter. What route would you like for me to take, I asked. For the next two hours, we drove through the city. She showed me the building where she had once worked as an elevator operator. We drove through the neighborhood where she and her husband had lived when they were newlyweds. And she had me pull up in front of a furniture warehouse that had once been a ballroom where she'd gone dancing as a girl. Sometimes she'd ask me to slow in front of a particular building or a corner and would sit staring off into the darkness saying nothing. At the first hint of the sun creasing the horizon, she said, I'm tired. Let's go now. We drove in silence to the dress that she'd given me. It was a low building like a small convalescent home with a driveway under a portico. Two orderlies came out of the cab as soon as we pulled up. They were uh, solicitous and intent, watching her every mood. They'd been expecting her. I opened the trunk and took out a small suitcase and took it to the door. The woman was already seated in a wheelchair. She said, how much do I owe you, reaching into her purse? Nothing, said the cab driver. She said, you have to make a living. He said, there are other passengers. I responded almost without thinking. I bent and gave her a hug. She held on to me tightly. She said, you gave an old woman a moment of joy. Thank you. I said, I squeezed her hand and then walked into the dim light. Behind me, a door shut. That sound was the closing of a life. The driver goes on to say, I didn't pick up any more passengers that shift. I drove around aimlessly lost in thought for the rest of the day. I could hardly talk. I said, what if that woman had gotten an angry driver? Or one that was impatient to end his shift? What if I'd refused to take the run or if I'd honked once and just driven away because they didn't come out, they knew I was coming? On a quick review, I don't think that I've done anything more important in my life. We're conditioned to think that our lives revolve around great moments, but great moments often catch us unaware, beautifully wrapped in what others may consider a small one. Patience is the road that God's grace travels to us. May you take someone for a journey on that with your life today and this week. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is slow to anger. I'm going to read Psalm 85 again. I think it was Psalm 85. Let's see. 86 is close. Psalm 86, 15. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. 